Hello, welcome back to the Long Distance Love Bombs podcast. I am your host, Dr. Jeremy Goldberg, and today's guest is Dakota Adan. This dude is a former Britney Spears dancer turned photographer, videographer, author, storyteller. He's a lot of things. Modern day mystic, I think he referred to himself in that way. He's wise, he's wonderful, he shares a lot of really heartfelt tales about his own personal transformation, all the things that he's learned along the way. This one we kind of dive deep into a few philosophical ideas about what it means to live, what it means to connect, how we heal, how we kind of shed the stories in order to find our authentic nature. It's a good conversation, lots of rambling, lots of laughter. He's a, he's a good dude, and I think you're going to dig this one. So without further ado, Dakota Adan. This episode is brought to you by Cured Nutrition. Cured is the leader in CBD supplementation with an entire line of products designed to take your everyday life to its ultimate potential. Their daily staples are formulated with an in-house clinical herbalist, which has taken the traditional CBD regimen to an entirely new level of optimization. If you're anything like me, you like waking up feeling good and living well, you've probably toyed around with the idea of finding healthy alternatives to jumpstart your morning. Personally, it's why I start my day with Cured Rise, which is their focus supplement. It's a powerhouse blend of functional mushrooms like lion's mane and cordyceps, broad spectrum CBD, and powerful adaptogens. It gives me clean, clear, and sustained energy without any of the caffeine jitters or a crash that I get with coffee. After I get going, Aura is next. It's another blend of functional mushrooms, CBD, and adaptogens, but it's got a twist. We all know how important it is to sustain our immunity nowadays, and this covers all of my bases. The vitamin D, prebiotics, crucial antioxidants are delivered straight to the gut which is the foundation of our emotional and physical health, am I right? Second brain. It's where the majority of our serotonin production and immune function begin, or it keeps everything in check, performing at its best, so I have one less thing to worry about, and I obviously cannot forget Zen. I use it every night. It is certainly why it has become Cure's number one selling relaxation and sleep product, You know the long night spent tossing and turning? Yeah, not with this stuff. It has ingredients like reishi mushroom, ashwagandha, magnesium, passion flower, broad spectrum CBD. So thankfully, restlessness is something of the past. Cured Nutrition products are your answer for a daily dose of health. Visit curednutrition.com. That's C-U-R-E-D nutrition.com. Be sure to use the coupon code LOVEBOMBS, and at the checkout, you will save 10% off your order. We're recording a podcast now. And you... Sorry, I probably straighten myself and get it together. <laughs> you, you just shrieked out, let's have some fun. So let's have some fun. How do you say your last name, actually? So I've always said it Adan, but like apparently it's supposed to be Adan because it's a Spanish Filipino origin. So that's how that's said. Okay. To be honest, it won't offend me either way. All right. Dakota Adon, welcome to the podcast. Hi, how's it going, Mr. Jeremy? Long distance love bombs. 
Yeah, uh, Dr. Goldberg, thanks. Uh, Dr. Goldberg, yeah. my, my psychologist slash marine biologist. It's good, it's good. I'm stoked to talk to you about many things, uh, and I have no idea what we're going to talk about, but I know that it's going to be great. And so if you're listening, this is a really good podcast that is about to be created. <laughs> he's the expert. Definitely trust him. Yeah. He knows what he's talking about. But so for, for people who don't know you or have never heard your name spoken, uh, who are you? What, what's your deal? How do you describe yourself? Uh, my name is Dakota, and I have had many ways of describing myself. And I think all of them are, are bogus. <laughs> being honest i've been a dancer a professional dancer in la i've been a model i've uh been a world traveler working as like a travel videographer and blogger i have written a poetry book that now i'm about to to publish yeah so i've been a writer for different media outlets as well i've kind of been all over the place my friends call me a modern day mystic and i just prescribe to what my mom says that I think too much. I'm someone who has a lot of thoughts and is trying to redeem them through art, however I can. To redeem your thoughts. So you, like, your thoughts are a bad thing in that sense? No, I think, um, I think to give them purpose. Maybe that's like when I say redeem, it's to give them meaning and purpose. And the things that are floating around in my mind, they're, they're lovely, I think, but if I'm not helping people, if I'm not supporting the world in some way through them, then, then I'm just sitting in my room. <laughs> it's not, I don't think that's the point of life. I think, I think we were built and made for each other. So uh, however I can go and, and be a comfort and a reminder to other people of their inherent belonging to this great web of being, then, then yeah, mm. then I'm going to do it. Whether that's through dance, through music, through art through poetry, spoken word, I don't even. These are just hats and mediums that people put on. The real work is like connecting with people on a heart level and bringing them back into the awareness that they belong. And uh, this, I love the phrase, reversal of the amnesia of the world. Getting people to like wake up and remember who they really are. Mm. It's interesting because from my outside perspective, your work is very much heart-based and feelings-based. You're a, you're a dancer, you're a photographer, you're a, um, a creator. But then to hear yourself describe yourself as a, as a big thinker and someone that's often lost in their head. So how do you, I relate to that. How do you navigate that? I think we are all gifted. We all walk in. I prescribe heavily to this thing called the Enneagram. I'm such a nerd for it. But one of the wisdom pieces that I love about it is the idea of the three different intelligence centers that we all come with, the three human brains, quote unquote. So we have one that is the head center. So that's like our heady intelligence, our, our thoughts, our place of intellect, insight, and imagination. And we have the gut center or the body center, which is a place of instinct and gut feelings and reactions. And then we have the heart center, which is a place of emotion and intuition. And how, how do I manage bopping around between these different things is really coming to a place where all the centers and all the cylinders, if you will, are firing 
at the same time because we need all three there's a reason the head is the head there's a reason the heart is the heart there's a reason the body is the body and we get ourselves into trouble when the head starts trying to be the heart or the heart starts trying to be the body or the body starts trying to be the head and it's like i can't think my way through my life Mm. I, i have to feel it and experience my life and i have to act and do it engage in a meaningful way through my body i have to engaged through these proper centers and that to me is the mark of of health is someone who's awake is stepping into the fullness of the gift of being human whether that means through art or through making a baked potato it doesn't even matter you can be fully present and engaged with the wonder of your life anywhere you are it's an inner posturing i think more than anything else Mm. Yeah, I'm describing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, bro, we're we're just going down the rabbit hole uh, to, to chase other rabbit holes in this conversation. The, the way I've heard, the way that I've described it actually is like that you can't think yourself into feeling better. Mm-hmm. Like it, mm-hmm. it, it's like what you just said about the the brain trying to be the heart. And it's like that's not how it works. So, in your own life, have you had like did you did you learn this lesson the hard way? Was this naturally okay? <laughs> absolutely oh my goodness absolutely we all have to learn it the hard way so like in any grand wisdom everyone comes in with a they call it repressed center but i i think of it i use different languaging so whether it's your heart center is repressed or your head center is frustrated or your body center is is asleep we come in with one of these centers that essentially is being ignored and we're hobbling off of two centers and so for myself my personal journey which has been one of returning to the heart space is one where I found myself to be very effective in the world. I set out after high school and after taking some courses at a community college saying like, okay, I'm going to be a professional dancer and that's what I'm going to do. And because I was very astute in how I thought and saw the world and then how I would act in the world, I was able to achieve a lot. And at 23, I peaked I had my dream job. I was dancing for a pop star and was just making money, traveling the world, having the life that I like said, I was like, this is what is going to solve all my problems once I get this life. And then you get there and you realize that you are still just as human, as frail, as miserable as you were when you started. And so I said to myself like, oh, sweet Lord, then 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 something must be wrong or like we like i have to find another way in and the other way in is not through the externality it's not through the outer path it is really an inner path and as cliche as that sounds and it like makes me want to pull my hair out because people of course tell you that all along the way and you're like no 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 like if i really just make this much money or have that job or do that thing i'm going to be grand i'm going to be magnificent And it it takes an experiential knowing of getting there and having your heart remain so damn empty that you have to do something else that you truly are just like, either either there has to be something I'm missing or the whole point of this thing is moot and I'm out. Yeah, It's it's such a classic truth, right? I've heard Jim Carrey describe it as, uh, he has some line about, I wish everybody had their dreams come true so that they realize that, that, that that's not going to make you happy. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. There is another quote that I've heard where someone says, the cruelest trick the gods can play on someone is to give them exactly what they're asking for. And that I find massively true because the things that I asked for at that time, I got. And I can only imagine, like, looking back at myself five years from now, I was like, if I would have gotten all the things I was asking for then, too. Same deal. Like, it would be a cruel trick to just hand it all over to someone and it becomes a gilded cage. Yeah, it, it becomes your own undoing by your own hand. So you're, you're on tour with a... Can we name the pop star? Or is yeah, it from- it was, I, was going, I was dancing for Britney. I mean, it's out a lot on the internet. Like, Britney, this, Britney, does she have a last name? Uh, uh, Britney Spears. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so just to um, clarify for those, uh, those I'm pointing, know, pointing to myself. Like, oh. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's funny because like the younger generation knows her far less. And so they're like, oh, like who? Like, I, I yeah. only listen to One Direction. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. fine. That's fine. But, but I mean, see, you're on to Britney Spears, like, this would have been seven, eight years ago? Um, like, this how... would have been like five years. Okay. Five years ago. Yeah, five years ago. Like, when she was like, she's still Britney Spears. So you're like touring the world with one of the biggest most famous yep. celebrities around yep. you're you got your dream life you're dancing on stages to thousands of people i imagine all around yes. the world and then is there a moment where because um, i talked to my buddy luca fagali who's a musician um who's incredible and he said it's a really weird life to go and perform for thousands of people and they're screaming and singing along to your words and then you go back to the hotel and you're alone and it's the weirdest thing. He just said, it's, he, there's no words for it. it do you relate to that? Absolutely. Absolutely. It is the, it's like this huge, just duality of the immense immeasurable energy of tens of thousands of people. I think even one of our concerts we did, there was like a hundred thousand people or something like, like watching online. So like there was like, you know, innumerable eyes on you. And then to like, go go back to your hotel and then it's just you and that like for me is also the saving grace of it because you cannot escape yourself forever like you get pumped up on this high from being on stage and like being like the object of adoration of all these people and then you go back to your hotel room and it's like and it's still you boo it's still just you like mm. there's no running away from from yourself. This, this healer in Bali that I met with one time put it perfectly. She says, no one gets to escape being human. Nobody. Mm. doesn't matter where you are, who you are, what job you have, what title you have, like what you accomplish in life. No one escapes. This is the journey of being a human being. Right? But that, that sounds so heavy, right? Like it sounds like it's marinated in despair of some kind right is and so so you're alone in a hotel room you're traveling the world do you start to like get little inclinations that the dream is is like a a wizard of oz charade so to speak or or like how how, do you have a breakdown one day because you've repressed it all like like what sets you on your path (laughs) a little bit of a breakdown moment i yeah, it was shortly after I got hired on. 
because I remember being so excited when I got hired. And I was like, my whole life just changed. And it did. My whole life just changed. And, and I was doing all the things that I wanted to do. I was making the money I wanted to make. And the voice in my, in my head, the voice in my, like this inner ache that I felt, this chronic loneliness that has always been there since I, since I can remember, it didn't go away. And that was the thing that I swore was going to happen as soon as I had this thing. This inner ache would, would silence itself and would cease. And the deep chronic loneliness would finally subside. And it didn't. And I just couldn't hang with that. And I thought to myself, it was like, when will be enough? This was like supposed to be my, like my, this was the thing. This was the penultimate thing that I was going to do. This is like for a professional dancer, like this is really as, as high as you get. You can go and make lateral moves from there and dance for other artists, but you're dancing for, you know, this A-list artist. There's, there's no other things like steps above that. And so I was like, well, if this is as far as I go and I'm still lonely and deeply upset with myself and not feeling like I am enough as I am, then, then what? <laughs> then what? And that is, that is a terrifying thing to sit with. Um, so I proceeded then to blow up my life um, in, the, in a number of ways. I uh, had some altercations with my, my family. I went to therapy and was like, oh, I'm going to solve all these, these problems. So I like, went to therapy, had some altercations with my, my parents, just to, like hash out things from the past, left the church I was going to, started traveling in search of truth. And, um, and ended up breaking off the relationship that I had been in for four years uh, to a man who's absolutely lovely and I've got nothing but love for. Uh, and I just kind of turned my own life upside down because I saw where this whole thing was going. It was like, if I don't turn my life up upside down now to get some clarity on like what is going to stick, then this miserable energy inside me is going to do it for me in a much messier way down the road. I was like, this is how people have midlife crises. This is how people like lose their ish later on in life. So I can either walk into this willingly or I can let it come for me later. And I was like, let's just do it. Like I said at the beginning of the podcast, let's have some fun. <laughs> okay. So continue so like what what did you do did, did you was it really that straightforward where you sat down and made a bullet point checklist of of ways to turn your life upside down or did you just like what happened I remember i remember waking up one day after going to some therapy so the, it started with therapy because i was like starting to have like flashbacks of like memories from childhood where i was like Oh, yeah, that I never dealt with. That I never felt, felt my way through. And it was things like, um, like that chronic loneliness. Like I had this memory of just like sobbing on the floor and like being inconsolable. And my mom just being like, well, I don't know what to do with you. And just kind of like leaving me there. And, um, and I don't blame her for that. I'm like, I, don't, I wouldn't have known what to do with me either. But I think it's like moments like that where I internalized this message of, you're not okay as you are. And, um, and there were different instances of that. And then also growing up gay in a Christian church took lots like from me. 
and really damaged my perspective of the divine and of my place within that story. Um, so that was another thing that I was unraveling to in therapy. And I was unraveling that. And one morning I, I woke up probably at like 4 a.m. And I was next to my partner and I got out of bed and I just started writing. And it was this moment that I felt like I had woken up into a life that someone else had built that no longer belonged to me. And I wanted to find a life that felt like it was mine that it was authentically chosen and was not a reaction to all the things that other people had said or felt about me in the past. I wanted a life that was consciously chosen. So I started to go through, I was like, all right, well then what does this mean? And like going through the different things in my life and anytime I would find that feeling where like, this doesn't feel like it belongs to me. This doesn't feel like it's mine. I'd be like, all right, well then we're gonna sit with that. And if we sit with it and decide that this doesn't belong to me, then we're going to let it go. And so in that way, it started happening with my relationship with the church first. So leaving the church that I was going to, I was like, this isn't for me. This isn't mine. I don't feel comfortable going to a place where I'm not fully welcomed. So instead of trying to maintain this old narrative structure that I had been born into, I'm going I'm to leave. And I'm going to find something that feels authentic and true. I'm going to slay this little god that I've been worshiping since I was a child and hope to find something real. Um, so I left that and then in occupation world, like after dancing for quite some time, I, I even decided I was like, I'm gonna take some time off from dance because even this feels like it was a bit reactionary. And so I stopped dancing for about a period of like two years. And during that period of two years, I also started to travel. And right before I, I um, left to go travel the, like one of the last big pieces was my relationship and I had been sitting with that probably for a year and a half maybe maybe even close to two years with that feeling of this doesn't feel like it's mine mm. and finally I just was like all right well there's only one way to find out I've sat with this for a long time like I could blow this up and and it could all blow up my face and and uh and that'll be that. Or I could blow this up and it comes together in a way that's really beautiful and chosen and um, restorative. Mm. So I did. And my partner handled it with so much grace, like just the most gracious. He's 13 years older than I am. And so has some perspective, I think, for things of that nature. And, and so handled it with a lot of grace. And then I had the, the beauty of opportunity to travel right after that. So then I took off and I was in Bali, India, Egypt, Croatia. Like I went all over the place. I had my eat, pray, love moment where I just like ate and prayed and loved my way through the world. And, um, and in doing so, I ran into this Cambodian woman. I mean, sorry, this story is going forever. But I remember running into this Cambodian woman where she kind of like, she brought out all the things that I was trying to brings to the light. And she was like, you don't let yourself be loved. You don't even love yourself. And so you're going to be running this game and trying on all these different hats and trying to find the thing that's for you. But she's like, but at the end of the day, these are just hats. These are just things that you try on. 
She's like, your relationship to yourself is what is most authentic um, and will be the most healing. And so then I learned, I had to learn to sit with myself in those awful hotel rooms by myself. Just like, no, I was not bopping around and like hooking up with people or filling my time with uh, alcohol or parties or anything. And those are all lovely things, but I just, I wanted to be as sober both emotionally and physically as I could to come into complete contact with the reality of who I was. And that was a, a long moment. I don't think it was like a snap moment. I wish I could tell people listening to this that it was like a snap moment where I was all of a sudden like, yes. And then I just loved myself and it was great. It was like, no, then you just keep learning about yourself. Like you're meeting a new person every single day and you have to keep choosing every single day to be like, yeah, I can love that. Yeah, I can love that. Yeah, I can love that. Even the really ugly and awful parts that you swear you're not, you're like, when they come up, it's like, can you love this? And um, and I'm just fighting for the answer to always be yes. Mm. Does that make sense? <laughs> Bro, that was great. That was really good. I'm enthralled. <laughs> there, there are certain times when I'm hosting a podcast where I just find myself staring at the guest and I have to remind myself internally that I'm actually a part of this. And I have to sort of <laughs> <laughs> take my brain out of park and be like, hang on, you should think about what he's saying. Uh, I-, I loved it. I think it was great. Um, and what you alluded to previously of uh, that you'd been sitting with it for a long time, um, sitting with these little internal, like I call them heart whispers, but these little mm-hmm. sort of knowings that something yes. is not quite aligned or something that isn't quite yours. And the, the way that I phrased it in my head was like, you'd been sitting with it for a long time and now it was time to sit without it. Like I'm going to mm-hmm. remove the church and just see yes. what that feels like. I'm going to remove the boyfriend. I'm going to see what that feels like. Yep. Off you went. And it, it, in my experience, like doing the shadow work that you described where you're um, cultivating some stillness to explore the caverns um, internally. It's almost like an iceberg. It's like you feel a little, <laughs> a little twinge. Like, oh, oh, that's cute. I have this thing, and then you really sit with it, <laughs> and it's like, oh, oh shit. Or like when you pull a string on a sweater, and then the whole sweater comes apart. It's like hundred percent. That's what I thought I was doing. I was like, I'm just gonna go to therapy and like talk about like my issues with my parents. Yeah. Just kidding. I'm going to unravel my entire existence Mm -hmm. uh, and the lens through which I've been viewing my whole life Mm -hmm. and this illusion I had that everyone thought like I did and I was just playing this or even just that like the way that I thought that life worked turns out to not be true oh 100% 100% wait what no but I've got all, I've got the dancing job and I've got Britney Spears and like, I still feel like shit. That's yeah. not how it's supposed to be. Right. So just yeah. then you're confronted with this lie that you've been believing for your whole life. Yeah. And then on the other side of that, of course, is like, what is true? Like, how does the world work? Yeah. And so then you set off um, on that quest, which started with therapy. Yes. And then where, where did that lead you? I mean, now it's led me to like all kinds of crazy healing modalities. Like therapy is, it was an amazing start. 
and I absolutely love it and encourage anyone listening to this. Therapy yeah. is the shit. Get yeah. yourself somebody to talk to. Um, and then doing other sorts of healing modalities. The Enneagram has been so pivotal in my own personal healing journey. And going and working with healers in other countries. I worked with a somatic body healer in Cambodia and she was the one who I was, honestly, I went into that meeting just for a massage. And it was like the universe played me because I was at this luxury hotel in Cambodia. I was just there to see Angkor Wat and like live my truth. And the people at this hotel were like, oh, you have to see our massage lady. Like she's also a spiritual healer, but like she's the freaking best. Like you have to see her. I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool book myself an appointment, go in there thinking, I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. She's just going to rub down my shoulders and everything. And as she's like going through my body, she's like, huh, that's interesting. I was like, what? And she's like, your upper chakras are so, so open. She's like, but you've got these lower ones down here that are like not having you at all. And I'm thinking like, this is not what I came in here for. Like, get to my shoulders, get to my shoulders. And she's just starting to like talk but of course I'm trying not to be rude so I'm like mm-hmm, that's nice and it didn't really click till the end where I was like oh she's hidden nerve where like a deep guttural like emotional response kind of like <clears throat> like came out of me and I was like oh there's there's some unprocessed things going on there. that's interesting yeah that's interesting that was like you were talking about like the the thread on the sweater that I was like oh that's uh that's a there's more stuff down there and so since then I've like gone down the rabbit hole of like working with a healer like that I worked with another body healer in Bali one of my best friends is one of the most talented uh body healers and she is all about like tying the somatic body to the psyche and the memories and trauma and love and just life that gets stored in our physical cells of our body and working through that and finding a new way of freedom in our body as well. And that to me makes a lot of sense as a dancer, I already communicate with my body so well. So it's like, how can I become friends with myself on not just an intellectual level of like having a clear headed mind that's not reeling all the time and fishtailing, having a body that really is healthy and serves me. And then having a heart that is also clear and open to whatever experiences may come and has the space to hold whatever the emotions that come in that day, whether they be absolute despair or absolute joy. And I think it's like that move is symmetrical. You don't get to have the absolute joy without creating space for the absolute despair. And it's funny, my roommate always asks me, she's like, your poems sometimes are so depressing. And I'm like, yeah, because I think, I think of it this way. It's like every time I go to that space, I'm digging a deeper well with which I can pour joy into and contain joy. So yeah, I'm going to go there if I have to. I am going to jump down to the deepest parts of me that I can, knowing that like, like a wave form, it will have its trough and it will have its crest. And that crest is going to be absolutely magnificent to the degree that I am willing to dive into my my own deep shadow work and healing. Mm. Yeah, and, and recognizing also that how you you eloquently describe like the heart and the mind and the body as as like an aspirational kind of goal, right? Yeah. Um, but but in my experience, it, it's also important to recognize like the path is messy. And there's detour, oh. there's detours messy, and like messy, 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 messy. And there's like distractions and U-turns and like that is 
that's the actual lived experience. Like that's your life. Right. Absolutely. And so as you were on this journey, how did you accept that? Or was there frustrations that it wasn't happening fast enough or in the way that you thought it should be? I am still frustrated. It's not happening. <laughs> I am like, like full disclosure. I am still so maddeningly frustrated that it's not happening fast enough. I had a conversation with an older gentleman who I'm working on a book with last week. And he is, how old is he? I think he's in his seventies. And he was telling me, he's like, some of this just has to be lived. He's like, I'm still going through that same process. It's still messy for me. And I was like, this is so unhelpful, Floyd. Like, <laughs> I just, I, I, I just can't. Um, I wanted someone to be like, no, by the time you're my age, it's all worked out. And like, everything's fine. Good. You know, even, even before my age, it's all worked out and it's all good. Like, how old are you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Give yourself another three months and you're going to make it through 2020 and you're grand. And, mm. um, you just want the but cheat codes. Is, right? I just want the cheat codes. But that is a, the, the great humility that I have to approach life with is like, this is, this is what it is. Like, I have, I have a line in a poem that says, humanity is the intersection of glory and dirt. And it's like, we are this great intersection of high aspirations of like, yes, with all of my, all of my in, inherent intelligence centers coming together to form this like super human thing that dreams and has aspirations and can move and change the world and also i'm the same person who, if i don't get seven and a half hours of sleep am a shitty human being to other people and i have to square with that or like if i just haven't eaten enough or i've not drank enough water or just happen to be having an emotional day like it just is and um and i think have you read um Alain de Bouton. I didn't. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Do you know Alain de Bouton? I have not read his book, but I have exposed myself to a lots of his talks, so I'm very yeah. familiar. with He does this talk um, at the Sydney Opera House, and he says, "Like, just treat your partner like they're a three-year-old." It's like, "Oh, did you eat? Did you sleep? Are you thirsty?" Right? It's that, and so you have to baby yourself in that way. For sure, absolutely. And and one of my favorite theologians, he talks about the first moment first like the chair the cherry the canary in the coal mine of someone who has over spiritualized their life is that they lose their ability to laugh because laughter humor comes from irony from the dissonance of what can be and what is and he's like on the human scene we will never be lacking in irony like how ironic is it that like we are these creatures that have a consciousness that would allow us to choose and live into our highest capability of excellence and meaning and belonging at any given moment and at the same time if we don't eat a sandwich we probably are not going to choose that so like it is just this funny funny thing to be human um Mm -hmm. i think it's a John O'Donohue, who is a Irish mystic and poet, he says at the beginning of his book, Anamkara, it is strange to be here, this being human, and the strangeness never leaves you. And that's exactly the place that it is. It's like, if you can approach it, not only treating others like they are a three-year-old, but also treating yourself like, yeah, like with the wonder of a three-year-old to be like, this is kind of strange to be here. But um, 
kind of whimsical and magical and hilarious too. If I can have, if I can hold all of those together. It's the weirdest. We, we were talking about this briefly before we started recording of, of like how surreal the world is and how just weird everything is. Like there's life and there's a fireball in the sky and like we can burp and fart and like we smell funny and we can like <laughs> taste things. We have a thing in our mouth called a tongue. It's just, it's all so weird. Um, do you have rituals or practices that help you to stay sane or on the path, so to speak? Yes, like, I do. And I also want to caveat with this is like another, another teacher of mine has said, he's like, the ideal spiritual state is one where we don't need spiritual disciplines. It's like, as an athlete, I know this is it's like, you do the disciplines, not for the fact of like, the disciplines are everything. It's that you do the disciplines so you can live out a level of freedom in real time and in real life. Like if I'm running track, I do all the speed drills and the disciplines. So that way, and when rubber meets the road and it's real time, I get to just play and be free. So with the disciplines that I do, I do them. And I also do them with the knowledge of knowing like, they're not dogma and they're, they're not the point of being human is not to spend all my time meditating. The point is to achieve a level of freedom. It's like that the paradox of like discipline allows for freedom is to achieve freedom. So I can go and like still feel free enough to be a kind human being when I haven't slept or to be a kind human being when I'm in immense emotional pain, to be a kind human being to someone who I vehemently disagree with, especially now in like today's world, like mm. to be able to love someone who I'm just like, I don't like any of the decisions you are making or any of the ideas that you hold and I still love you and that's okay. Um, so that's my caveat. But hang on. I want to interrupt your caveat. Can you just keep expanding on that point? Cause I think that was really interesting. So, so this idea of accepting and expressing love for someone, even though they are drastically different or, um, maybe just to present an extreme, like maybe you hate them. Maybe, yeah. maybe you like think that they are a terrible person who would ruin the world. But at the same time, you can still hold love for them. Yeah. I think that's an interesting thing. It is. And again, this goes back to like my talk about like why the heart is the heart, the head is the head, and the body is the body. The head is a wonderful tool, but it is not great with paradox. And it is not designed in a way to hold space the way that the heart can. It's in my heart space and the mystics have this, have this way of seeing where they call it like heart seeing or, or thinking through the heart or dropping the mind into the heart. And it's, it's when you're, that's, that center is integrated because the heart is what has enough space to hold those two opposites. And we know this because we have family. Everyone has family or people you've grown up with or you've had a relationship with people who you're like, I love you so much and I might throw you off this three-story window. Like there is you know and those both are equally true and and so we've all experienced this in one way or another but it is the the work of the heart to create space in ourselves to both love and sit with the really ugly parts of ourselves and in the same symmetrical movement be able to love 
and disagree with and even have feelings of hate like towards someone and be like damn it i really don't like them like nothing about them rubs me the right way i and i think they're a monster and they're still a human being who has dignity and belongs and can i sit with that and create space for that and to me I'm like that is what's radically needed like that is the real mark of a mystic and a rebel and a spiritual seeker in today's world is not someone who is woke enough to have the right opinions but someone who's woke enough to be like i may or may not have good opinions but these are what i've got they may or may not have good opinions but that's what they've got and we're both here and we're just gonna love each other through this messy experience called life is there a specific example from your own life that you could oh i mean right now like the the greatest, I think, is the most obvious is the political discourse right now. Like we're we're coming up on a on an election, and I have friends who sit on both sides of the spectrum. I have friends who are are Trump supporters, and like shamefully so. And um, I have friends who are Trump supporters and are just like, yeah, this is what I'm do. This is who I support. And I have friends who hate the man or like he's an absolute monster and bane of humanity. And um, and I think like. And then you can also even go into like the whole like Black Lives Matter movement. I have family who doesn't quite understand what's happening there. And then I have friends who are out protesting as well. And, and I've been in conversations with the family who doesn't understand. And I've been to the protests and listened and heard stories and like supported these different things. And I think we have to not be afraid to disagree with each other. We have to not be afraid to hold space to love each other and and do that even through the really painful work of like disagreement and just difference. That is the world that we live in. And that is what's radical, is a radical allegiance to love as opposed to radical allegiance to what is right, woke, um, righteous. What Pick your buzzword from your tribal group and having an allegiance to something that is greater and higher. And that is like, we're all here. Just a bunch of three-year-old toddlers thinking we know shit about shit on a rock, flying through space at thousands of miles a minute that is surrounded by stars and a nuclear furnace that keeps us warm. Like the strangeness of the world should be enough to humble us to be like, we don't really know what we're doing here. So... Let's have a little humility and a little love in how we do with each other. Bro, I think we just became best friends. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I think I, I think you could take a transcript of that and through the various podcasts, put together that entire uh, monologue that you just gave about flying through space and all of it. But I, I, com- I completely agree. And, and I think that that's the challenge for all of us. If we want to heal this planet, if we want to heal this this culture, this society, if we want to make progress towards, you know, equality and love and acceptance, then we have to do these hard things, which is to express humility and to consider that we might be wrong, as Britney Spears helps teach you. Uh, we're not we're not always sure of how, how the world works. Yeah, it's like, but so. So do you have like mantras or tricks? Not tricks is a harsh word, but like how do you help to remind yourself to 
actually a, a perfect word. Okay. I um, had this moment with, um, with Jade, who you may be familiar with. She, I think she has uh, an episode on your podcast as well. So if you're listening, go listen to Jade. It's, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jade and I just took a road trip. And it was super funny because as we're going on this road trip, I saw a coyote and it like crossed my path. And I just got this deep intuition of like, oh, like the coyote in indigenous, and I'm part indigenous, is in indigenous culture is the trickster. And I'm like, we're about to be visited by trickster energy like tonight. And it's gonna be, it's gonna be a wild ride. But the trickster is also super important. So there's this, uh, there's this story and this like ancient, I believe it's like a Northern European like myth about this god who was like i don't even remember the names but the god was like perfect and like everybody would like throw spears and rocks at him and they would just fall to the ground could not like shake the man but the trickster the trickster god knew and figured out somehow that his one weakness weakness was his knees his knees were how he could take him out so they go and like they throw this wheel at the the god and it like falls to the ground but then the trickster picks up the wheel throws it at his knees and it crumbles the whole man and this energy of the trickster is to attack the thing that is so crystallized and calcified and is able to make it crumble. And I think of our own ego fixations and our own ways of seeing the world and of just being in our own neural pathways that we've built over years and years and years of this is how I do and this is the way the world works. We need that trickster energy to come in there and shake things up, to wake us up out of our slumber. So I think trick is a beautiful word i think we can look at tricks have everything as a shadow the tricks do have a negative side of like when someone deceives us but also like love is the greatest deception like in that like we walk into love thinking like oh this is gonna be so beautiful and it's this thing that has never been seen before or like the most true and perfect thing and no one else could ever understand the depths to which i love and then the projections recede the wings melt and we realize we're with another human being who's just as flawed and messy as we are. And we are literally tricked into dealing with our own BS. And so, yeah, I think trick is a, it's a perfect word. Good. So what are your tricks to love, love more, heal quicker, be kinder. I think the tricks First, it starts with like an individual person because I wanna I wanna say like take what works, leave what doesn't because I've tried lots of things that have worked and lots of things that have not. Mm. For myself personally, I find a very simple thing is meditation, and every religious and spiritual path has a version of this. So if you want to do meditation, if you want to do centering prayer, if you want to like chant, whatever that is for you. Um, find a practice like that where you can meditate. The, the wise person is someone who goes and tries to find st- silence in the mind, stillness of body, and, um, and find openness of heart. And I think these tricks all center around those ideas. So meditation is for the mind, is the thing that stills the monkey mind and silences the like little hamster wheel that we get going in our head. It gives us enough space so that way when things happen, we don't go into automatic reaction, automatic fight or flight or freeze. So that's the first one. Then for the heart space, I soul gaze with a mirror every day for five minutes. 
and I will just look myself in the eye and offer love to myself. And whatever comes up, I will offer love to that. Whether that's, oh my gosh, I'm so nervous about this podcast I'm doing later today. I love you when you're nervous about that podcast. Or, oh my gosh, I didn't sleep and I look like a goblin. I love you when you think you look like a goblin. Uh, or just even beautiful thoughts. Like, I'm so excited for the day. I love you when you're excited for the day. But I'm in training the heart to have a posture of love and openness towards myself in the hopes that I can do the same and see myself mirrored in another person and do the same for them. No matter how like crazy they may be in the moment to be like, you're acting a fool right now. And I love you when you're acting a fool. So that's the second piece. And then the third piece is the body piece. Like how do we become present to our bodies? And this is like different for everyone. Find the practice that works for you. I've done yoga as a dancer, love dance. I think dance is a fantastic tool and I use that often. So between yoga or dance, um, those typically are my, my physical practices as well to drop into my body. But you need, I think you need all three. You need something to do all three. And if you can find a practice that involves all three at the same time, which dance has been for me, um, then all the better then all the better. But get into those places where the mind can finally rest and the body can be really present and engaged and the heart can start to finally open. That's, that's how the work begins. And forewarning, some dark-ish is going to come up and it's going to be messy. You're going to get quiet and be like, this is how I get to Nirvana. No, this is how you get quiet enough so that way like, you can see the demons that are already floating around. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, and that's the work. And that's the work to stay calm and to stay present and open and centered and loving when the dark waves arrive. Because they're gonna. Because they're gonna. Because they're, that I can guarantee. Pick whatever practice you want. They're going to arrive. Like that is just, I mean, it was the Buddha who said like, life is suffering. Like you're gonna run into the things. You're gonna mm. run into it. Nobody is immune from the tragic sense of life. So yeah, how, what is your capacity to sit with it? That's the real question. Yeah, I love that. It's so um, disheartening, but also heartening to know that, um, that this is just how it is. And so like, if you're listening and you've, you've tried it and you hated it, great. If you went to therapy and it made you feel terrible, great. Like there's no kind of, yes. yeah. we, are, we are in the sock with you. Yeah. We're right in there. Uh, like you're doing it right. I think is another big thing that I try to reinforce with clients. It's like, yeah. you're doing it right. Like you're showing up that that's it. Just do that. Just commit to the thing and show up to it. So like five minutes in front of a mirror every day might sound uh, and I might just project my own, <laughs> my own thoughts here. It's like, that sounds crazy. And that sounds weird. Or like, like five minutes of staring at myself is going to do anything. Oh, it was really, yeah, it was super crazy and weird. And I, I got the practice from this Franciscan monk and he, he talks about it as his practice. It's like, well, if it works for this guy, like, let me just see it. And for the first month, it was weird and it was crazy. And it was yeah. really uncomfortable to sit and just do this thing. And it's even more uncomfortable when like I have, like, I don't know, when I stay over at a friend's house or like I have family over, like people are like, I just need to excuse myself to stare at myself in the mirror for five minutes. Like, yeah, I look like a crazy person. Yeah. And like, 
And if that's what it takes to allow me to be and show up as the person I want to be in the world, mm -hmm. okay, cool. Then I'll do it. Then I'll be a crazy person. Like, it is what it is. Yeah. But at the heart of that is you're prioritizing yourself, right? Like, I know this is good for me. I know this works for me. So I'm going to do it even though I risk disappointing you or alienating myself or appearing weird or judged. Like, I judge me first and I love me and I'm going to go stare in the mirror. But like you said, um, th there's countless ways to go about this life thing. And if you try the mirror thing and it doesn't work, great. Because like I've had 90 something guests on here and they all have their own way of trying to live well. And you could try something else. You can go surfing or painting or dancing or cartwheeling or yeah. forest walking or bonsai tree growing, like whatever. Yeah. yeah. Find the door is everywhere and that's like <laughs> i wish i could impress them like the door is everywhere you can't escape the door like everything is the doorway and mm. everything is not the doorway i know it's not like a crazy person but like this might make sense to one day if you're listening to this i remember there's this poem by this this woman who predates rumi rabia and she's this this mystic and she's like i try to find god sometimes like, and essentially, like, I'm paraphrasing, I'm probably butchering it, just like, I try and find God in, like, mosques and churches, and that doesn't always work. I find it best when I'm peeling a potato. And I remember reading that and thinking, like, what is she talking about? Like, I want to go on some grand spiritual journey and, like, mm -hmm. eat, pray, love again and, like, do whatever I need to do to come into contact with, like, my true self or the divine or whatever you want to call it, energy, source, whatever. Mm -hmm. And she's like, yeah, I'll do it while peeling a potato. So if that's your spiritual practice, yeah. I want you to feel those potatoes, potatoes to perfection. Like that's what I want for anyone listening to this. Exactly. I, I, um, I was in Bali years ago and um, I got my palm read as part of this retreat that I was um, a part of and, and meditation came up and, and the woman was just, you know, you meet some people and they have a vibe and you're like, you're kind of otherworldly. She, she had that energy. And uh, so meditation came up and I, and I was like, oh, do, do you meditate? And she's kind of smiled. And because uh, I'm a scientist, I'm like always wanting to know. You know. I was like, oh, like, what's your, what's your practice? Like, how often do you meditate every day? And she like turned and looked at me like so humbly and so beautifully. And she just goes, always. Like, yep, all the time. She's like, I'm meditating right now. And I was just like, <laughs> like brains blown apart. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's life. Absolutely. It's this, the saints have put it this way. They're like, your life becomes the prayer. Mm. Your life becomes the meditation. Your life becomes that thing. And my practice is merely my touchstone that I come back to, to remind my heart, mind, and body, like, ah, this is the posture I would like to take into the world. And I can take that posture with me. The goal is to take that posture with me, not to leave the meditation in the room, not to leave the soul gazing at the mirror, but then to go and meet every person on the road that I come into contact with that day and see them with that same level of clarity of love that I see in myself in the mirror. That's yeah. the goal. It's like the- Granted, I am nowhere near that, but you know, that's the goal. We're working on it. Yeah, it's like the way that I just was thinking about it is- is like professional sports athletes, they have practice or training and then they have the game, right? So you train so that you perform well in the game. But in this circumstance, life is the game just all the time. 
right? Yeah. It's a long game. I'm curious, is there anything right now that you're kind of working on or through, like what's your edge at the, at the moment? I think right now, this is going to sound really odd, but like I'm working on the concept of malevolence and like evil and, and like what is malevolence and what is evil. And like, cause we, we live in a world where I think we toss that around like that label and, and switch evil with like whatever label you want, like white supremacist, um, bigot, like a narcissist privilege. Like, yeah, what pick whatever label you want. We throw that label around and I think we do it too easily, to be honest. And I'm trying to sit with, okay, what is the truth of what is happening in the world right now? And where does the malevolence lie? And I think it's a really complex question because I think I used to think of it as like, oh, well, it's all just, you know, it's, it, we're a very individualistic culture. Like it's all just like within the human being, like evil, like lines the heart, cuts through the heart of every, every, every man. I don't remember who said that, but that's like the idea of like, we all have it, which I think is true. And I think there are systems of collective delusion where we have all just agreed upon evils and just perpetuate it like it's okay. For example, our treatment of the environment. We, I know plenty of people who go and like, you know, they recycle and they try and make eco choices. And then just that's where the whole thing stops and are not pushing for renewable energy or cleaner oceans or any of these other things. They're like, well, I recycled. And then oftentimes too, they'll like even use that as reason to go and purchase more plastic bottles because it's, because I've gone and done my thing there. So the thing, the edge that I'm kind of sitting with right now is like, uh, how do we deal with the very complex issue of, of human malevolence? And like right now it's like everyone is out pointing fingers and like building castles on opposite ends of, of this valley. And I'm like, I wanna meet in the valley. I wanna meet with people who are willing to have like really honest and hard conversations about life and about the best way to operate with other human beings and this planet and find our place within it. Um, and not from a place of condemning and not from a place of, of I'm, holier than thou or greater than you on either side. I'm not trying to exclude anyone. I really want to just sit with people and figure out, because we've got to learn to live with each other. We just have to, like, it just is. We just have to. So that's kind of the edge that I'm sitting with right now is like, okay, then how do we do that? What's, what's that look like? And I think that the answer is again, hidden within the heart space where we are a culture, especially in the U.S., that prizes winning and prizes intellectual superiority and physical dominance over emotional openness. And I think that is the emotional piece, the openness of heart that has gotten us into trouble because we're trying to think our way through 
and act our way through a problem that has to be felt through, a problem that we have to create enough emotional space to love our neighbors that disagree with us and have differing opinions on how this world should be run. Mm. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm sitting with right now. Just that. <laughs> Just that. <laughs> just a casual casual thing and and again this is where i can also laugh at myself because i'm like i'm sitting with this and like all the other like human issues of trick like i don't you know we got to make sure that we find work and the bills get paid and um i'm like making sure my agents are happy and like all these uh, you know all the other human concerns are like tossed in there my family like friends relationships so it's i mean Thank God for all those other things, because otherwise I would spend forever up in the clouds being like, hmm, how can mm. we I feel like, yeah, I, I, I mean, I would consider myself like a philosopher or like a scientist of like the human condition. And like, I think like poets have to be, they, they have to be people who are intimate with the human condition. That's their work. That is the work of the poet is to get mm. intimate with the human experience and bring it back for the rest of us uh, so we can experience it in some way. And that's what I'm trying to do is like, I wanna be so freaking intimate with this human experience. I want life to break me the hell open. And I know that's like a really scary thing to say because I've experienced that and it's not fun, but I also have seen who have become on the other side of that. And I know that that process, as long as we're present for it, and our active participants in our healing only yields a result that is more beautiful, grander, and magnificent than anything we could have hoped for before. Well said. I think that's a good space <laughs> to kind of wrap it up. Like, I mean, I mean that was good. I like that. Uh, but I, I also was recognizing when you said that we haven't really talked at all about your writing, your book, and any of that. <laughs> like that was like and that's fine I gosh, said, that's fine i want i want this to be whatever whatever it is well good is. because my, that's uh, what it is <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah my biggest prayer with this book was like it needs to go to like the hands who need it and like i'm not gonna try and i think old me would have really been concerned like i relate to you when you're like i need to build an build an audience before i can go and like cr like release this piece of writing or release this thing and i'm like uh I, I think about things a little bit differently now. And I think about, um, it's not for me. It's not for me. This, this book that I have and like wrote, like it's for someone else to pick up and read and find solace and healing in. And truly like that's, that is a project that is beyond my hands. Hmm. I could go and like, hustle myself to death to like put it out put it out put it out put it out there but I think that there is a there is a wisdom in allowing what things just need to be in the moment and right now like with everything that's happening in the world I'm like this book is just going to be what it is and that's beautiful and I love it and accept it exactly for that what is the book called the book is called beloved and it actually came from a moment in one of those hotel rooms where I was like very alone and by myself. And I was writing and like 
facing my demons down on, on the page. And I was journaling and I wrote like the, the phrase, I just want to be loved. And I wrote it so fast, the words got squished together. And I realized that the words and what I wanted to be loved were the word beloved. And it is this idea of like the universe, God, source power, whatever you want to call it, Pachamama, pick, pick it, whatever you want to call it. In India, they say the truth, what is it they say? They say the truth is one, but the wise know it by many names, something like that. I may be butchering that. But this idea of like life is inherently for you and does love you. And this inner angst and ache that I have to want to be loved is something that is already there. Most of us spend our lives like someone who is at a banquet starving, but refuses to eat because we just think we have to like earn it or pay for it somehow or make, well, life has to like, I don't know, we've to, we've to earn our space to exist. It's like, you don't. If you're listening to this, congratulations. You've hit the jackpot lottery, you exist. And so like all of life gets to be your banquet now and gets to be your party where you get to play around and have fun and experiment and get to know yourself and other people and try things and fail at things and fill yourself to the brim with all the resources of love that are within this world. And that's what like, I would like my life, this book, everything to be about. So if people buy the book, they buy a book. Cool, cool, cool. But my life will be the book. My life will be the meditation. My life will be the prayer. So I'm not even, I'm not even tripping with that. <laughs> and where people can find you on Instagram, I know, or you have a website. Uh, do you want to mention those? Yeah. I can put links to all this in the show notes as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People can find me on Instagram at Dakota Adam, D-A-K-O-T-A-A-D-A-N. And my website is dakotaadan.com. And you can go and there's links to purchase the book up there. It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, like you name it. Um, it's just all out there. But just come say hi. Come say hi and be yeah. friends with me. And if you need a quick reminder of your inherent belonging to this beautiful world, then come by and I will, I will give you some more wonderful things to gnaw on and chew on. <laughs> or if you need a break from gnawing or chewing you can work you oh my gosh if you need a break from gnawing and chewing come have that too because pretty sure like i i need to i mean this is the other thing too my instagram is so dang serious all the time i wish people like what i love about this podcast is people are going to see how damn weird i am too people are going to see like oh he's just a kook like he's a, he's a total bat someone once said to me like i expected when i met you to like meet oprah and what I was faced with was Medea. And like that reference is like, you expected someone deep, but then like got a crazy person. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Cause you need both. If you need a, a break from gnawing, like there's a video of me right now circulating the internet, twerking on a ledge um, in Zion, like nearly to my death. And it is hilarious. So you need a little fun break coming up <laughs> anytime. But I think it's true. Like all, all the best ones, all the, all the great ones, they're silly and they're playful and they giggle. They have like a good giggle in my experience. 
Like, yes. I don't trust people that I meet or that have a persona that are, that are always like serious about the message. Like it, it almost is like a, a red flag for me in a way that I'm like, why aren't they <laughs> giggling? <laughs> it's the canary in the coal mine. They, yeah. They've over-spiritualized their life and mm. they've taken it, the whole thing too dang seriously. So yeah. trickster it up. Be a trickster, be a giggler, be a rebel, be a bandit, be a wild person. It's way more fun yeah. that way, I promise. And with that said, thanks for being here. I appreciate you and I appreciate all the energy you bring uh, into the world. It's been, a, it's been an honor to spend some, some life with you here. Yeah, this is an honor. And I'm sure I'll be seeing more of you too because we're best friends now, so this is great. <laughs> Yeah, I'll see you on the, the side of a, a mountain in Zion one day. Oh my gosh, yes. My mom called me about that. She was mortified. So, you know, I'm, just, I'm here. I survived, but yeah, check that out. It's funny. All right, brother. Thanks again. And uh, yeah, talk to you soon. Talk soon. Bye. <laughs> see you. Mate. We did it. We did it. All right. That was fun. I feel like you were a fly on the wall of that very informal, hilarious, wise conversation. That was good. Dakota is an author. I have included links to his website, his Instagram, and his book in the show notes, so you can check those out. And yeah, as he suggested, go and get in his ecosystem if you need some laughter, if you need to connect. He's putting out some good work in the world. And you know what? You're a good thing in the world, too. So thanks for being here. If you are new to me, my name is Jeremy. You can find me at Long Distance Love Bombs on Instagram. I have a weekly newsletter. I also have a monthly membership program in which I do live podcast Q&As, and I teach a workshop every month. So if you are interested in that, you can shoot me an email or a DM and uh, get into it. Thanks for being here. Thanks for the reviews. Thanks for following, supporting, sharing. It's very meaningful and it makes a big difference. So you're just the fucking best. You know that? <laughs>